welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the NBA lottery standings as of right now and where the Thunder kind of shape up because we are kind of seeing some patterns going on in the top 14. And I'm also going to be previewing two lottery teams facing against each other tonight in the Thunder and Indiana Pacers. But just starting it off with the NBA lottery, we've been talking about it probably for the last month. That is the main story surrounding the Thunder right now, and there's a good reason. I mean, we've lost 11 straight games. They've really plummeted from like 8th or ninth in lottery standings to now 5, and there's actually real opportunities for them to kind of climb up the rankings still because there is around 14 games remaining for mostly lottery level teams so there still can be some momentum shifters as well as it could go for all the other teams too but just kind of pinpointing what is going on with the lottery standings there's kind of different segments branching out right now and it's the kind of analogy I put on this every time I speak on it it's kind of like when you think of the playoff race or whatever and when it was just the one through eight clean cut 9 through 15, you're out of there. You would always kind of look at maybe like the 1 through 4 seeds as guys who can flip-flop, like 1 and 2, they're locked, or whatever it may be, like 3 through 5 or 6. There could be some movement, like they're close in record. And then around like the 7 through 10, you'd still see people kind of right there. So sure, there's only one distinguishable line between the 8 and 9 seed, but really, in that group of 15, you have about four different races going on. Leader of the pack, who's going to have home court advantage in the first round, who's going to be in the playoff hunt, and then who is going to be at the bottom of the barrel going for draft picks. That's kind of how we are breaking it down. And it's 14 teams in this lottery system, and out of that, you can distinguish probably four groups again. So I just want to kind of rattle all those off and see where the Thunder fit and if they can kind of get out of the group that they are currently packed in with but just starting out with the first group this is going to be like your contenders uh, at least in this system right here tanking wise the Houston Rockets and the Minnesota Timberwolves they really have their own little race going on Houston they're 15 and 43 they're 2 and 8 in their last 10 games and strength of schedule wise they have the toughest one remaining in the entire league like they have a game against the Timberwolves and then everybody else is like a playoff squad so out of those 14 games, chances are they're going to win maybe like one or two of them. So they're not going anywhere. They put their foot in the dirt as soon as James Harden had his tantrum. And they are dedicated to get a you know one through three spot come draft day. So in our regard, yeah, we do have that pick if it's not one through four. And if they're going to stay number one, it's going to mean either Houston retains their pick or we get the number five selection from them. That is money. We want them to stay number one because let's just be honest here. We're not going to be able to catch up to them. We're not going to jump over the Houston Rockets. So let them stay at the top and then you just roll a pair of die. And if it goes our way, we get a top five pick and a really highly coveted player guaranteed because the top five as we know with Cunningham the two Jalen's Kuminga and Evan Mobley you're striking gold with any one of those five you're going to be happy and on top of our pick we could potentially get two of those but 
at the same time, we could get none just because of how the system works. So they are the worst in the in the league right now in reverse standings. They're the top dog, and right behind them are the Minnesota Timberwolves. And this is a little bit surprising, but they, out of all these like bottom dweller teams, are looking like the best. They have been trending upwards. They've won four out of their last ten games, and they were, by all accounts, like in the safe zone. They were going to have the number one spot now. It's not secured for them, and with them winning now, with Carl Anthony Towns back in the rotation, I would say they're still going to be pretty close to that two spot, but they could still sneak in a couple games here and try to make some chatter between like the two through four spots, but they are kind of locked in just with the Rockets because of their 16 and 43 record, just a half a game back, and their strength is schedule-wise, they're literally middle of the pack. They're 15th in the league. They have a lot of these like lower-tier teams. They still have to face the Rockets, the Pistons, the Magic, Kings. Pelicans are there too, but I actually see them as like a sneaky play-in team. So I don't see them as a team that the Timberwolves would probably defeat. But on the other end, they still have a lot of Western Conference teams they got to defeat. And I'm talking like the Utah Jazz, the Nuggets... I don't see them winning those, so they're still going to be at the bottom. But then you kind of get towards teams that I would have originally put in the same group as the Rockets and Timberwolves, but now they have actually steadily moved away. There has been a little bit of distance created, specifically at the number three spot in the Detroit Pistons, and they were, by all accounts, the number three team. They were stuck right behind the Minnesota Timberwolves and Rockets. Actually, for a good portion of the year, when the Rockets were trying to, you know, kind of get back onto the trending path, the Detroit Pistons were actually above them. So it took a little bit of time for the Rockets to hopscotch them. But once they did, Detroit never really was able to get back. So they were at three. Now they're not. They're actually in a two-way tie with the Orlando Magic for three and four. And it's pretty wild. So in Orlando's case, they got most of their wins out of the way to begin the season. They had Vucevic. Aaron Gordon was there. I think he might have had an injury, but he was there. And then you also had players like Terrence Ross, Markel Fultz, all those people. Fultz went down with an injury. Aaron Gordon got moved. Vucevic got moved. You just got the roster out. And now you're left with what? Like Wendell Carter Jr., you got Mo Bamba finally getting minutes. This is a tanking team. I would say pen and paper, I'd probably put our Thunder grouping over them like nine times out of ten, and I'm not joking. Even take SGA out of the game, I'd give the Thunder the advantage. So they are not looking good. In their last ten games, they are one in nine, and right now they're on a three-game losing streak. So it's not looking good in terms of if we ever want to try to get above them if there's any kind of upside to this it's that there are a couple of lower tier games they still have to get out of the way they still need to play the Timberwolves the Pistons the Cavs that's about it though that's three games that I could see them potentially stealing a W in but outside of that it's still very very rough so I think the Orlando Magic are kind of locked right now but they're not on the doorstep of one and two just yet. They're three games behind the number one spot, and so are the Pistons. But the Detroit Pistons, they are not really safe right now. I don't think they're kind of in the same trajectory 
as Orlando. If there's going to be one of the top four teams to fall out, I'd probably bet my money on Detroit. Minnesota, you would potentially sit, like if they were three games back of the Rockets, I'd probably go with them. But they're three games behind the three and four seeds. And between us and them, there's four and a half games of difference. I don't think that would happen unless there's some sort of miracle run that goes their way and we just can't ever collect a W again. So I think they're locked. But the Pistons, they've gotten a little bit loose now because they've won four out of their last 10 games. And I talked about it in, I believe, yesterday's episode, if not two days ago. But Frank Jackson, the guy we cut, I think, you know, I don't have a credible source on this. I'm just guessing. He was like probably the last cut on our roster between like him, Kendrick Williams, Roby, whoever it may be. Seemed like he was the last cut. And Detroit swooped him up on a two-way contract. Really didn't make much noise to begin the year, but he has just come into his own. They have just started benching players left and right. Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee, they have not been playing for like the last week. And because of that, you've seen new storylines. Josh Jackson, he's resurrected his career damn near. Looked great to begin the year. Slumped down. With Grant gone, he's looking like an all-star out of nowhere. Frank Jackson's averaging around like 19, 20 points in the last three. And Isaiah Stewart, like mid-first-round pick this year, he's looking like a solidified center. You'd never kind of guess that based off of his game I mean he's like a six foot nine pretty burly player not very mobile doesn't fit that bill of what a new age center looks like but he's been getting the job done and when we've played the Pistons we played him like twice in the month of April both times Moses Brown got skunked by Stewart so him Jackson both of the Jacksons really they have led the way so they've been stealing W's out of other teams hands and now they have just put themselves in a position where genuinely they might be in a spot where it could be a down-the-wire thing on if they're going to be in the top four. But I really think the silver lining with this team is the wins that they've been getting. It's not like they're beating playoff-level teams, not even fringe playoff-level teams right now. The teams they've been beating, they're beating like the Sacramento Kings. They're beating us. They just beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. So all these primo teams, they don't really have a shot against them. So they have just a couple of games like that still remaining on the schedule. They have the Timberwolves. They have the Magic. The Bulls are on there too. But beyond that, it's a little bit rough. They do play the Indiana Pacers though this Saturday. And, you know, their roster right now, I don't think they'd you know, beat the Pacers, but if Domas Sabonis is not playing, there's a real chance there, because he's not on the uh, the active roster right now. He's hurt, so if he's still hurt by Saturday, maybe that's one that you could do a coin toss on, but even if you want to include that, that's about four games that are really obtainable. Outside of that, it's not that great for them. They have 14 games, so at best, you're talking like four and ten, maybe, but you'd think they dropped the ball on a couple. I will say, though, I think the Magic, they have been so bad in a situation where the Magic and Pistons are playing. Like, that game is going to be much must-watch television because you already know the Magic don't want to win. The Pistons, they probably don't want to win. They were given Frank Jackson serious minutes, and somehow he was balling out. Do you think they willingly put 
Jackson out there expecting him to drop 20 points? Absolutely not. So I don't know. I think they're just doing a deep dive on their roster, skimming like G League players and stuff. But I'd probably say they could beat the Magic. And then Timberwolves, you know, it's it's a little bit weird there. And the Bulls, on paper, it seemed like it would never even be close because they have Vucevic and Levine. I believe Levine is out for two weeks now in health and safety. So you need to kind of check up on the timelines. And they'd be playing them like May 9th. So that he'd be out of protocol by then. So it'd be kind of hard. Kind of hard for them to make any sort of ground. But out of those top four, that's probably the loosest string. But then you need to go to your next bracket. So I talked about the top two, three and four. They're in their own kind of realm. Five and six are just like that. You have the pairings. Get the third pair in the route. It's going to be the Thunder and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Thunder... They have been holding on to the five seed for dear life. Even though we've lost the last 11 games, we've never created a big cushion between five and six. And it's because a team right behind us, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they are playing terrible right now. They have only won three out of their last 10. They're definitely trending downwards, but they keep losing games you cannot be covering distance when the guy right behind you he's keeping strides so you need to lose them the Cavs need to win a game thunder keep doing what you're doing lose some more 11 losses you would think would be enough to get really high up on the board but it's really not I think the the Rockets lost what like 19 or 20 games to even move into the hunt and now they're above everybody right now but 11, I mean, that is not that crazy on the scale, believe it or not. The Kings, they lost 10 in a row, and right now, they are sitting at number 7, and there's a gigantic gap between 6 and 7 right now. So you need to keep losing the games. Same goes for the Cavs. I mean, I think that they have two solid pieces in Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Even Jared Allen's look good. Isaac Okoro has had his moments. But you really think that, you know, they wouldn't mind losing a couple games to try to get a top pick? Of course they would want to be doing that. The thing you need to take into consideration when you're talking the Cavs, though, is who is still remaining on their roster. And they have a decent bit of teams that I think they could potentially defeat. They have the Magic, which should be a win, you would hope. The Toronto Raptors, who if they continue to just blatantly bench all their starters, that should be a win for them. And then beyond that, they also have the Bulls, which you need to look at the date to kind of see what goes on. If Levine's there, you probably chalk it up as another loss. But they play the Washington Wizards three more times. And the Washington Wizards, I mean, they've looked good. We saw them not too long ago. They are riding a five-game winning streak, but it wasn't like they blew us out of the park, and we didn't even have Lou Dort or SGA or Horford, if you even want to go that far down the list. We gave them a run for their money. I mean, it seriously got to the point where Robin Lopez was a like a real reason why they won the game, and I'm not even being ironic about it either. So it's not like they're undefeatable, even though they're riding a five-game win streak. Like Westbrook and Beal... They are going off, but we saw it 
against them. Like, they had to get an insane performance from Davis Berton, 6 of 12 from 3, and Robin Lopez pitching in 17 to secure the W for them. So it's not safe. I think that Sexton and Garland have been really, really good for them. And Jared Allen, if he's healthy, he's going to be great as well. So they do have a couple of solid pieces. So there are, I'd say, like three, four, even five games they could probably flip the script on. And even with a guy like Colin Sexton, and to a smaller extent, Garland, they can heat up for 30-point games. Garland, I'd probably say that 30. Sexton, he can actually explode into 40 points. It's a rare occurrence, but it can happen to where either of those two can kind of take over the game at certain points. And those are traits that you as a Thunder fan, should be really happy about. Like, you want to see them take over games and get Ws. Just like those oddballs and Josh Jackson and Frank Jackson have done for Detroit, they can sure as hell do it for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But you need to talk about the Thunder, really, over all this stuff. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, only a half game ahead, as I said. Five games away from the main prize and two games behind the Magic and the Pistons. So it's a smaller separation than, I guess... You would imagine like a week ago, but there's still a gap there, and it's a lot larger than you think when you kind of check the schedules that the Magic and Pistons have, but whatever. Anyways, they they have the eighth hardest schedule in the league, which is amazing for us, but we have to play the Kings three times, and the Kings, they've not looked that good, and they have the Wizards again. We play them, I think, in the next week, and then you have the Pacers, who we play tonight. So when you're talking games we could potentially snag, it's right around the five mark, but I don't want to hand them five. I seriously don't. I don't think so. I think the Pacers won. If Dort is going to be out there the entirety of the game, we have a good shot at it. I'm not 100% going to give him a W there, though. With the Wizards, if Beal and Westbrook are still clicking, you got guys like Bertons firing at all cylinders. You could give them that. The Kings games are the most pivotal ones, though. Three games, I don't even know if we played them this whole entire year yet. So you're just going to hit them over and over and over again. Only have 14 more games. We're playing them three times. So we we better get accustomed to the Sacramento Kings. And I think they're probably going to have to get accustomed to us. We'll see where they're at in the standings. But those are three brutal games where if we get a win, not only are we hurting our own record but we're helping out one of our bigger opponents in the lottery standings right now so i'd maybe give them like like two to three that'd be my prediction it could definitely go below that but they're really sitting around you know what a bottom dweller record would be if sga comes back it's a different story but with no sga i don't see them winning much more games so i think with saying that i'd comfortably put the thunder in the spots from like four to six. I think that's the real range. I don't think we'd catch the Rockets, the Timberwolves, or the Magic, but I do think maybe we could get over the Pistons and we'd still stay in the same race as the Cavs because below the Cavs, there's a big gap and it didn't used to be like this. A week ago, everyone was like a like two games, like from the Thunder to 10, there was about a two game gap. Now it has been blown completely open, and this is what I'm talking about, the fourth layer of teams. Kings, Raptors, Bulls, Wizards, and the Pelicans, they're there, but they're 10 games behind number one. So 
I don't see it happening. But anyways, looking at the Kings, they are a whole three games behind us. And then the Raptors, they are four games behind us. The Bulls, four and a half. And the Wizards, four and a half. So I don't think those guys would match up with us. As I said, whenever everybody was in free fall mode, before the Wizards got on their hot streak, everyone was together. But it's not like that anymore. So I think I can comfortably say we don't have to worry about the 7 through 10. However, with the Kings, as I said, them playing us three more times, it really leaves some room for them to make some sort of ground here. And it's not just us that they're playing. They play the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they still play the Indiana Pacers. So that's, you know, a couple games they could win. But at the same time, it's those flip of a coin lottery games where it helps them out a ton and hurts out on others. So that's the scary team out of that column. But I'd say it's about a six-man race right now. And in particular for us, there's about three logical seeds four, five, and six. If there's anything that changes there, I'll make sure to update you, but that's just kind of my thought process on it and what I what I kind of picture it shaping up as as we kind of near the last game of the regular season. But we'll see. There's a couple more weeks to go. I think around like 20, 25, 26 more days left of the regular season, but it's going to be fast approaching, and with all these blatant injuries, it'll be fun to see kind of what happens and if Adam Silver or anybody puts a team into check, including ours. But just moving on into the game we are playing tonight, it's a pivotal game between us and the Indiana Pacers. And as I mentioned, the Indiana Pacers, on a normal day, I'd probably give them the upper hand. But with no Sabonis, you're talking a completely different game. So bonus for like a comparison on what we've seen this year. He's kind of like an Ennis Cantor where he's right around the rim. He'll work you in the post and he's going to get the offensive rebound. Get you the second chance points. I don't have pulled up Cantor's averages against the Thunder, but it'd probably be close to 20 points, 20 rebounds. Probably like 10 of those offensive as well. Like he is just so adamant around the basket and guys like Moses Brown and Tony Bradley have not been able to hold up against him think Sabonis is exactly like that except he can actually move a little bit more than Canner has has a little bit more flexibility on where he can perform on the floor not just like an inside three foot guy he'll step it out a bit so it's different and with that being said kind of changes how you would see the game being played because with Sabonis in you would have instant offense inside you take it away and even beyond that who's another guy you would try to cook easy offense for miles turner he's not going to be playing in this game either and you don't have tj warren he's been gone for most of the year not changing for this game and then you have fillers like doug mcdermott and jeremy lamb out too jakar sampson's gone and so is goga batadze i don't think those two matter but i just rattled off what like five names of either key role players or straight up starter to star caliber guys not in the rotation so they are seriously hurt and with Batadze, Turner, and Sabonis gone your front court is completely ripped down to pieces so they are going to have to 
kind of just create a random starting five unit. Like, I straight up could not even draw up what this would look like because of how drained they are at the center position. They just signed O'Shea Brissett, who in the G League, I think it was for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Yeah, I think it was for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. But when he was playing, he was a center at six foot seven, the smallest center Moses Brown played all year. You know what Moses Brown did? Made a joke out of him. He was right under the basket doing whatever he wanted, and he needed double teams and triple teams to even have any sort of issues. And when he was tripled, there was issues. But one-on-one, Moses Brown could not be stopped by O'Shea Brissett. And I don't think Tony Bradley would have problems either. So if he's going to play the starting five, which I'm not going to 100% say that, but if you're going to repeat that since they don't have many centers, you're going to see Moses Brown or Tony Bradley erupt for like a 20-10 and 10 game. And I'm not even joking. That's really bad on our part. And then beyond that, I think it's a little bit more well-coded because they have some solid pieces. TJ McConnell's been really just a sneaky good point guard for them. Malcolm Brogdon's been averaging around 21 points. And then Karis LeVert, you cannot forget about him. He's healthy now, averaging just a little bit over 18 points per game. He's just like Gary Trent where like he'll go off out of nowhere. So you got to keep him in the back of your mind. But there's not a lot of, you know, pieces surrounding them right now. So off the bench, they would need some large contributions from a guy like Justin Holiday or hell, like Edmund Sumner. If you guys remember Sumner, I think it was Deputy Commissioner, I think it's Mark Tatum. Hopefully I didn't botch his name. But right behind Adam Silver does a second round. There was this random dude who just screamed during the draft. He, like, called out the pick, made him laugh. If you guys have not listened to it, like, search it up on YouTube. It's really funny. It was, like, probably three, four years ago now, but didn't feel that, you know, long ago. It was still funny, though. Pretty good moment from the um, from the draft. But anyways, he's worked himself up into a rotational role. And really just all these guys that you would kind of brush aside as non-factors are going to be playing big minutes. So it's just like the Detroit Pistons where Frank Jackson's now playing serious time. You're going to need someone to drop 20 points to mediate your losses, so to speak. But I think with SGA and Dort out, same goes with Horford, we do have three pretty good guys out for us. But we have seen a lot of our bench players break out. And I don't think I can say the same for the Pacers, at least from what I've watched. I haven't watched a lot of Pacers basketball just being completely transparent, but with our squad, we know that a lot of different dudes can get hot from the floor. Poku, Maladone, they're going to be playing. Darius Baisley coming off his career-high 26-point game. He's hot, and as I said, if you have O'Shea Brissett at the 5, he's going to have some serious fits because of what Moses Brown and Tony Bradley will be doing below the rim, and on that bench unit, you still have a couple of flamethrower guys in Mikai Luke and Ty Jerome. So we are armed. We don't have Lou Dort. That's a major loss. We don't have Roby. That still is a loss. But is it going to be enough to put us in a spot where we lose again and continue our losing streak? I've said about three to four times now during this streak, you know, we could probably win this one on paper. I think we're better. And what has happened countless times? 
we have found ourselves on the losing column. And I think that with us against the Pacers, this is a sneaky game that we might steal because of Sabonis and Miles Turner gone. They don't have a front court. So I'm going to say this. I think in terms of guard play and forward play, it's pretty much neck and neck. I might even say with the Pacers having Brogdon and Lavert, you give them the upper hand there. But if they do not have a capable center for the full 48 minutes, it's scary, but I think the Thunder could actually get on a winning streak. And I'm not saying set in stone, that would be what would happen. But that is the key factor to this game. If they win the rebound battle, if they can get easy points under the rim, it's going to be difficult for them to, for the Pacers to really cope with that. And you have the turnover bug that is continuing for the Thunder. You have kind of swept it on the rug. If you're letting the Pacers guards go off for easy points on the other end, it might return their sort of losses. And if they can contribute on the free throw line or three, they make it up. But there could be easy big offense under the basket. And my thing is, if they're able to just throw it in the post and let Brown or Bradley work, it's going to be hard for the Indiana Pacers to recover. So look at the rebounds. Look at the matchup at the five. We could see Brissett playing at starting five. If he's at the four and you have some random seven-footer just strap up to play, you're, it's going to be a different sort of sense here. But if it's going to be a six-foot-seven Brissett against Moses Brown, who destroyed him in the bubble, I'd probably say Brown gets out of his slump and Thunder very well could too. But if you guys have a different opinion on that, make sure to tell me. All you have to do is click on my name in the episode description. We'll take you to my Twitter. You can send me anything you want. If it's any sort of suggestion, I'll take it. If it is something you want me to talk about in the future, I'll listen to it, potentially even talk about it on the podcast, or just simple basketball stuff. I'll make sure to reply. So hit me up there, and as always, I'll get you guys the game recap tomorrow, plus any other tidbits we may need to be discussing, including the Chesapeake Energy Arena. Kind of flaked over it in this one. Promise I'll be talking about it tomorrow. But yeah, that's going to do it for me today. Other than that, though, that is going to wrap it up. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And I will talk to you all next time. See you.